Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, we thank you this morning once again for the privilege of being able to come before your presence, to worship you, to glorify you, to exalt you. We thank you because you're a covenant-keeping God. We bring your covenant to your remembrance this morning as people all over the world are mourning and groaning because of the problems of coronavirus. We speak your peace into the earth. We speak your healing into the earth. We thank you for every storm that rages, that stops because of who you are. We invoke the power of our covenant with you. And we declare goodwill to all men and peace and healing on earth according to the majestic name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so, Father, we thank you. Lord, we speak healing to those who are hurting this morning. We speak peace to those who are in turmoil this morning. We thank you for wholeness for those who are in distress. We bless your name, we will honor you. We thank you for our time together and your blessing upon your word that the hearts of your people are open and ready to receive the engrafted word of God to the glory of your name. Thank you, Father. We bless and we honor you. Now and forever in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and amen. Good morning, good morning. Again, we are coming to you from World Outreach Church for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And we welcome all of you from far and near who is worshiping with us today. Thank you for allowing us to come into your space here at WorkFan. We are building strong families and serving global communities. And so this morning, this is the seventh installation of the message I started a few weeks ago on race, relations, and reconciliation. And so today, I'm going to speak using the title, Race, Relations, on the basis of God's grace. Race, relations, on the basis of God's grace. And let me just remind you again, please, I want to invite all of you that's watching this morning to continue to join us on Tuesday night as we continue to believe God for the eradication and the cessation of COVID-19. Tuesday night we pray for that. And then on Wednesday night, we're praying for the peace and the reconciliation of the racial conflict that's taking place in this United States. So again, I want to encourage you to join us on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. And if you, are, if you missed last week, I also announced that August 16th, we're going to be having a harp and bowl ministry time on Sunday morning. And that's taken from Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. I don't have time to go into all of that now. And then, of course, on August 23, we're going to do what we call a kingdom conversation when we get a chance to invite you to ask whatever questions you desire based on the subject matter we've been studying for the past several weeks. Amen? All right, with that in mind, let's flow into today's message. Again, this morning I'm speaking on race, 
relations on the basis of God's grace. Now, God does not make a distinction on the basis of color. Let me just come right out and say that to you. God does not make any distinction on the basis of color. In fact, you cannot find that anywhere in the scriptures. Race is actually, hear me now, a social construct, not a biblical concept. We all have melanin of varying degrees. That's just the bottom line. And that's why we have different colors and different shades. God does not make any distinction on the basis of color. Now, in Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12 in verse 1, we see what happened. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Why? Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Can you imagine that? <laughs> the brother of Moses and his sister, they had an issue. And the issue was because their brother Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. In other words, this Jewish man Moses married an African. And they had an issue with that. And they spoke out against it. Now, let's see how God responds to that in verse 9. Verse 9, and I'm cutting through some chase here. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them. Verse 10, and when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous. Now that's how God responds. That's how God responds to bigotry. That's how he responds to racism. That's how he responds to anything other than what he, God, has prescribed. Now, I really don't want to take you into the weeds to, 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 to explain to you why God felt the way he felt. But let me just throw these nuggets out. Psalms 105 and Acts chapter 7 verse 35 tells us that Moses was a deliverer in Israel. Okay? Just as Jesus is a deliverer for the whole world. So Moses marrying an African or a Gentile or a non-Jewish person is a picture of that which was to come when Jesus will be married to the bride that is not just all Jews. Okay, let me leave that alone. For those of you who are Bible scholars, I give you enough seed to chew upon. Matthew chapter 1. Let's go to the next scripture. Matthew chapter 1. In verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 3. Judah begot Perez, and Zerah by Tema. Hold it. Tema was a Gentile. She was not a Jewish person. So right here in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that God was not ashamed or afraid 
to include within his genealogy those who are not of Jewish heritage. Verse 5. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. So right here in verse 5, we see two other Gentile women named. Rahab, who is a Canaanite, and of course Ruth, who was a Moabite. So right there from the very beginning of this message, I want you to understand that God does not make distinction on the basis of color. But he did make a distinction on the basis of covenant. He, God, was the one that came up with a distinction between Jews and Gentiles. And we're going to address that in a minute. So what am I talking about this morning? Two distinctions that we see in Scripture. The arbitrary division that is man-made, but real nonetheless. In other words, the social construct of racial division that we made, which is arbitrary, but we see it in our life, we see it in our world, nonetheless. The second distinction was the one that God made himself on the basis of covenant. Now, many, many, many years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King dreamed of a society where children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the context of their character. And you know, as true as that may be, today we really have a higher calling than that. Today we are not just called to judge men and women by the content of the character. Rather, we are called to go beyond the content of the character and to relate to individuals on the basis of God's grace. As I sat to start writing the notes for this message, I could not but help to look at myself and my own kingdom background. How that, oh, in 19, I can't remember the year now. I, the year, I get confused about the year a little bit. I think 1978-ish, thereabout, 19, no, 1980, I got born again. And God did this by injecting my wife and I in an all-black congregation, pastored by Wiley Jackson. I will never forget that for as long as I live. And for the first two, three years of our formative years as believers, all we knew were blacks in the kingdom of God. It was a very, very uh, foundational building, discipline, time, and we thank God for that background. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was a powerful experience. Three years after being born again, I found myself moved from that ministry, and we were launched into a, a different ministry of a different culture entirely. An all-white congregation. Where, if I can remember now, I think my wife and I were the fifth blacks in a congregation of about 500. Just think about that. I didn't plan it, but that's the way it happened, and that's a story for another day. 
We were under the ministry and leadership of Dr. Bob Wright. Within two years of being in that congregation, I was elected as an elder in that church, even though we were a sound minority. And by the way, they didn't elect, elect elders by a pastoral choice. It was by vote. I remember that Sunday evening. I will never forget it. They announced the names of all those who had been, who the pastor had nominated for eldership. And, uh, and, they, and they voted. <laughs> and, to, and to my, I don't know what to say, if it was my dismay or surprise or whatever the case was, I was elected to be an elder in an all-white congregation. Now, I'm sharing this because I want you guys to understand what God does, how God does, and what God intends to do now. The ministry that we all partake of now, this ministry, my life, was founded, supported, and birthed by the likes of Mike and Becky Waits. Oh, my goodness. These guys served my wife and I hands and feet all day long, printed all the materials I needed, I mean, did everything I could. If I said I dreamt it, they did it. David and Marian Climac, prayer warriors, who pray with us every Monday night faithfully for years. Jim and Jane Johnson, Steve Cobb, Norman Drew, Winnie Miller, Kurt and Kerry Dickon, and all and all and all of them were whites. Every single one of them. When I did not want to pastor each other, and I said, no, I don't want it. God is not calling. These guys, every Monday, even when I didn't want to pray, they showed up and prayed and prophesied. And the rest is history. So I'm saying to you, you are looking at a product who have been blessed by blacks and whites. Now, I know some of you say, well, yeah, the whites bless you because you are of African descent. Really? <laughs> oh, the whites bless you because, you know, they, they really? Well, Olamide, myself, my wife, we are working out in the studio in a gym that is run not by an African, but by an African-American from Iowa. And all around this gym and studio are white ladies who serve this guy day and night. In fact, the guy took a 10-day vacation a few days, a few weeks ago. And these ladies ran the entire studio for him in his absence. And I said to him, Barry, are you paying this? And I said, no. Why are they doing this? They said, well, bank, I don't know. If you have something doing, and people say you're doing something that's productive, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they, they jump, jump on a bandwagon and help you do it. He's an African-American. And the same thing I experienced and enjoyed is inspiration and enjoying. God is no respecter of persons. He's only a respecter of faith. So there are two distinctions. The arbitrary distinction that we make on the basis of race that you will not find in the Bible and the God-ordained distinction that he made according to covenants. Now, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And let's begin to read from verses 11 
on because if God can reconcile the separation and the division on the basis of covenant that he made, then for sure he can reconcile whatever differences we have right now in the name of Jesus. Now, verses, let me, let me read from verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, referring to the Gentiles, once Gentiles in the flesh, that's all of us who are not Jews, who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, go on, that at, the, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So now Paul is talking to these Gentiles at Ephesus and he's about to bless them. But before he blesses them, he wants them to recognize the magnitude of their uh, lostness. In order to recognize the magnitude of the reconciliation that God worked among them, he wanted them to first understand the magnitude of the division. So he begins to tell them, number one, you are separate from Christ. In other words, you were potentially looking at eternal damnation. Number two, you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, you are excluded from the citizenship and all the accorded benefits. You have no voice, no redress, you cannot vote. Number three, you had no hope. My goodness, as born again believers, Pastor Larry taught us here, your past is settled, your present is secured, and your future is assured. But for these guys, they were without hope. Hopelessness, which is equal to depression. And lastly, says to them, you are without God. In other words, you have no clue what God is doing at large. You are a secularist. That was the Gentiles' starting point. Please don't forget that. This is where they were. I do not care how terrible things are for blacks in this country. Every black, the, 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 the worst of black in this country was better off than the Gentiles. Ah, you guys didn't hear me. You guys didn't hear me at all. The worst of person that is black or marginalized that is disenfranchised at worst case scenario was better off than the Gentile. Because the Gentiles were without Christ, not part of the citizenship, no hope, and without God. But at least the black man, or the black woman, or the brown, the white, whoever you are, you have a better starting position. <laughs> But I'm saying that to say to you, if God can bring the Gentiles, who are these hopeless, into a place of union with himself, then surely what we are faced with today is nothing for God to resolve. This was a division set by God himself as opposed to the one that we set by man. Because from God's perspective, there's but one race. 
If not, we could not reproduce with one another. Think about that. One race, the proof of that is we can reproduce with one another. Now, if God could reconcile those that had real or God ordained distinctions among them, he can certainly recon reconcile people who have arbitrary distinctions. So now let's read on in verse 13, Ephesians 2 verse 13. So we, 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 set, we, we already established the starting point of the Gentiles. Without Christ, alienated, no hope, without God. That was their starting point. But look at verse 13, but, but now in Christ, remember Christ from last Sunday, the emulsifier? <laughs> Christ, the emulsifier, the one that connects us all together, the one that joins us together. Now in Christ, Jesus, you who, was, who once was far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I, I can go on and on on that, but let me just leave that alone. Let me leave that alone. In verse 14, let's move on, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Mind you, mind you, mind you, Jesus did not just come to give us a peace treaty. No. He himself is our peace. When you have peace treaties, they could last for a year, five years, ten years, and men break them. They break peace treaties. And once it's broken, hostilities return. But he himself is our peace. So if you're going to lose this peace, you have to lose Jesus first. Hallelujah. He himself is our peace who has made both one. Who is the both? The Jews and the Gentiles. They now find their identities in Jesus Christ, the emulsifier. It's made both one. So we are not looking at Jews and Gentiles anymore. We are looking at one race under God to the glory of his name and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Hallelujah. Let, move on. Let's, let's read on. Verse 17. Uh, yeah. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Now, this is very, very important. Notice what Jesus did. Notice what he did. He didn't just go to preach peace to the Gentiles as if they are just the needy ones. Or just go preach peace to the Jews as if they got it made in the Kool-Aid. The Bible says he came and preached peace to you who are far off. Who are those? The Gentiles who are far off. And to those who were near to the Jews. In other words, both of them needed the peace of God. Neither had a monopoly on or of God. Neither of them. Both needed the cross in order to be reconciled to God because God is no respecter of persons. The white man needs God. The black, brown, whatever the color is, needs God. We all need God. Both of us, all of us need God. No, none, neither of us, none of us 
has a monopoly and think that we have a favored position in God and by God. Absolutely not. Galatians 3, 8 make that clear. There's neither male nor female, Greek nor Jew, born nor free, because we are all one in Christ Jesus. Go to verse 19. Thank you very much. Now, therefore, thank you, Jesus. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In other words, Jesus didn't just come to fix what was broken. He came to give us a brand new house. Hallelujah. Can you imagine you had a house? Maybe your plumbing is, has a problem with your plumbing or you have a problem with your electricity. And, and the repairman comes and says, wait a minute, you know what? I'm not just going to fix your plumbing. I'm not just going to fix, I'm just going to give you a brand new house. What does that feel like? That's exactly what God did. He didn't just come to patch. No, he didn't patch. He gave us a brand new beginning. Hallelujah. We're members of the household of God. Now, Paul started off talking about what the Gentiles didn't have. They didn't have Christ. They didn't have hope. They did not have God. They were not a member of the uh, commonwealth of Israel. That's how he started. He started off talking about what the Gentiles didn't have and ends up talking about what the Jews and the Gentiles together have because of the cross. Now, jump to verse 20 for me. Thank you, Jesus. We are speaking this morning on race, relations, and reconciliation on the basis of God's grace. Verse 20 says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, verse 21, in whom the whole building, the Jews and the Gentiles, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. This is the bottom line of this message this morning. Reconciliation. Is not something we have to achieve. It is something we have to believe because Jesus already achieved it. It is done. This is what grace does. So I am not here today, or you are not out there today, trying to achieve reconciliation. No. No. This is the grace part of reconciliation. It's already done. It's been achieved. There was a time when there was a separation and division between the Jews and the Gentiles. But today, because of what Jesus did at the cross, God does not see the Jew or the Gentile as a separate entity anymore. He sees them as one race under God. It is a done deal. The issue for me and you is 
believe in it. We are called now to walk in the reality of what Jesus has accomplished. For instance, married couples, they have issues from time to time. And if you're married, you are saying amen. Married couples, they have issues from time to time. They sometimes get alienated from one another. However, they didn't stop being married, even though they have differences. They just have issues to walk through. They just have to walk through the union that already existed. And so now, in closing this message, let me go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 16 in the Passion Translation. Let me go back there again. So whether you are white or black, brown or whatever your color is, we already have a union. That union is in God that goes all the way back to Adam, the first parent. Yes, we have differences. Yes, we are not the same. But just as in a marriage union, where there are issues within a marriage, whatever the issues that we have among ourselves, we should walk through them. Look at what the Bible says. Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, in the Passion Translation, and I'm closing now. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. So whether I'm white, black, brown, whatever the color of my skin is, the peace that I have, that you have, that's available to all of us right now, is Jesus. He's the one that connects and brings all of us together. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ, just as he has made white and black, brown or whatever you are, he's made us all one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice. Did you see that? Yes. My God, every wall of prejudice. Jesus, by his atoning sacrifice, has broken it down. He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal in our union with Christ. In Christ Jesus, there is no superiority. In him, we are all equal. The white man is not bigger, better than the black. The black or brown man is not bigger, better than the white. In him, Christ, we are all equal. Our problem is an identity crisis. We don't know who we are in Christ. We are kingdom people. Though we live in this world, we are not of this world. Therefore, we must not see as men see, rather we must see as God is saying. Verse 15, ethnic hatred, oh my God, has been what? Dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. <laughs> the legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been what? Repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace 
between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together. Hallelujah. And you go, like, like I told you last week, you go find that mayonnaise. And you try to separate the, the, the oil from the water inside the mayonnaise. You're not going to be able to do it. You can't do it. The emulsifier has put them together and they've become one. So when I see my white brother, I don't see him as a white man, I see him as my brother. And when I see my black brother, I don't see him on the basis of just his color. I see him what? As my brother. Why? Because we've been fused together. We are one. Jesus already accomplished this. It's fair and complete. It's a done deal. We are just called to believe it. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity, Jews and non-Jews fused together. Last verse, verse 16. The two have now become one. Ladies and gentlemen, breaking news. We have all now become one. In case you missed it. <laughs> God is not looking at white and black. We are all one. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, keep that verse there, keep it there right now, keep it there. In Revelation 5, 9, it says, it's called us out of every tribe, out of every tongue, out of every people, out of every nation. Hallelujah. Two have become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ through his crucifixion, hatred died. Now, my closing point. My closing point. Do you believe the gospel? Simple as that. Do you believe the gospel? Because if you believe the gospel, the verses we just read, what that means is ethnic hatred died. Prejudice died. Unforgiveness died. Separation died. If you believe the gospel. Okay, let me phrase it another way. Did Jesus go to the cross? Did Jesus die on the cross? <laughs> Was he raised from the dead? Victorious? Hallelujah. Because if he went to that cross and was raised victorious, hatred died. Prejudice died. Unforgiveness died. And if you are still struggling with any of those things, I wonder which gospel you are believing. The gospel settles the issue of racial uh, reconciliation once and for all. So the question you need to be asking yourself, do you truly believe the gospel? Next, 
I'm hearing you say, okay, Pastor, I'm hearing this. As a born-again believer, yes, I believe the gospel. How does this work with unbelievers? I'm hearing you, loud and clear. How does this work with unbelievers? So for us church folks, okay, I believe the gospel. Hatred died, prejudice died, unforgiveness died, even though for many Christians, the truth is we have issues. Many Christians have issues. But let's address the unbelieving part of it for the unbelievers. This is the point. Give me Hebrews 10, 36. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 36. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will, and then you receive the promise in full. Give that to me in New King James, if you will, please. Thank you. For you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. This is the point I'm making. Transformation begins in the heart for all of us that are believers. But it is lived out in our daily activities. In other words, you cannot tell me that you are a believer that believes, but is not being lived out. Because faith without works is dead. This is the connection between unbelievers. When you and I believe the gospel, as we just explained, then we'll be living it out every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So everywhere we go, we'll be diffusing forth the fragrance of the knowledge of the one that we say we believe. That is the only way that the unbelievers will get what we have. We can't just believe and hide under the rock. We can't just believe and bury our heads in the sand. No, we are a light upon the hill. We are a city upon the hill that cannot be hid. So we believe it, and when we believe it, hatred dies, prejudice dies, unforgiveness dies. And now, through our daily activities and our, connect and our interaction with the world around us, what's on us, we get on them. <laughs> Christians like to be blessed, but, but they don't like responsibility. What's on us must get on them. Case in point, let me close with this. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 28. Faith without works is dead. We, 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 the children of the kingdom, are the ones through which this accomplished message of reconciliation will get to the rest of the world. We are the agents of God to bring the unbelieving world into what God has already done. John chapter 4, verse 28. This is a Samaritan woman who was a Samaritan that Jesus intentionally, intentionally engaged at a time when it was not popular to do so. He engaged her, shared the message of the gospel with her, Look at what she did. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, give me verse 29, go ahead. Come, see a man 
Who told me all things that I ever did? Could this be the Christ? That was her response to the encounter with the gospel. She didn't just get the gospel and say, oh man, this is so good. I'm so blessed. I'm highly favored. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No. She got, she encountered Jesus. And as a result of the encounter, she left her water pot, went back to the city, and told those men and women who did not like her, men and women who were ostracizing her, immediately they became her first congregation. She started sharing with them about who Jesus is. In other words, we cannot encounter the gospel and truly believe it without sharing it. If you're not sharing, I wonder if, in fact, you've had an encounter. And so, Father, this morning we want to thank you. We understand from your message that the basis of any reconciliation is on the basis of your grace. How you, Jesus, came and in your sacrifice joined together the Jews and the non-Jews. And now we all have the opportunity to be one race in you. And so, Lord, we thank you. You achieved it, now we believe it. And I pray by the power of the living Christ that every man and every woman who has believed this message will stop being inactive. But begin to go forth and shed for the aroma, the fragrance, the knowledge of who you are. Because you said that the knowledge, the glory of the knowledge of who you are will cover the seas, the, the earth rather, even as the water covers the sea. Thank you, Father. And for those of us who are still struggling, who are not born again, who needs to be born again, Father, I pray that we hear the clearing call this morning to come to the altar, to come to your table, to come to your feet, and to surrender, to surrender. If that's you, you need to be born again, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to come to him right where you are, in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you are, hotel room, wherever you are, in the comfort of your own space. Just say this simple prayer. Acknowledge that you've been a man or a woman without Christ without hope, and without God in this world. And that because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, you have the opportunity to be brought near. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, the Bible says. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And that when you do so, you'll be saved. And so, Father, we thank you for that man and that woman who made that decision right now to come home to be with you. We receive them as members and candidates of your kingdom, and we bless your name, Lord God, that as a result of this quality decision, that life will take a different turn, and they begin to live for your honor and to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much, and again, don't forget Tuesday and Wednesday, join us.